the episode you're about to listen to is a promotion for the summer of 2024 hashtag writers book fair tour. We want you to come along. There's no cap to the number of writers that we will accept to be part of this. The more, the merrier. Uh, everything compounds in getting cheaper. The more people we have with us and the better opportunity we have to get national publicity for what we're going to do. So listen in closely if you're an author and you want to sell books and you're not selling books. This may be the thing you've been looking for. If you're not published and you want to shoot to be published by summer of 2024, there's a goal for you to set. Listen in closely because we're going to give you a high-level overview of everything that's going on. And then the last thing I want to say before we jump right in is if you're not subscribed to this podcast through my Substack, you're not getting an optimal experience of what it has to offer. Every show comes with show notes, and especially in this case, the show notes are a real companion piece for the podcast episode itself. So jump in there for more information and questions you have. You can drop comments. One of us will answer you about the tour. Uh, and as I say at the end of the podcast, and I'll say right here at the beginning, Juliet Willows is the point person for gathering all of the applications. If you want to be part of the process to ask those questions, she will be handling those things. But really, any of us can get you where you need to go. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with hashtag writers. If you've ever watched an author read in public and felt bored, TRBM is the antidote. That reminds me of the space-time continuum and how we're just a flash of light in a dark abyss. Now, TRBM is for writers what time-lapse was for painters, guitar solos and spotlight were for bands, and what chainsaws and ice blocks were for sculptors. But what does TRBM stand for? Trendy raccoons bake macaroons? Ten, rhyme, bait and nevin? or transatlantic radio broadcast material. Look, you decide. A book tour on its own is basically us going and like promoting one book and people are coming to see us specifically versus a book fair. There's a lot of people um, and they'll come and see multiple authors. And I think that's where the, the difference is there. So well, I think it's more of a book fair, but I could be wrong. Well, I would say that you're absolutely right, because there's a difference between a book tour and a book fair tour, because book tours, people tend to think they're like signing events. And the book fair is is known, is known around, you know, anything, whether it's a health fair or a book fair or whatever, it, it imbues this this concept of this image of like that, that what I sent out the picture with the, with the big fair with all the booths and everything. And we want to make sure that we, that we put it, that, that we hit it in that, that direction because that's what we're after. Because a lot of people will say, Oh, I know of a little bookstore here or a little, we're trying to make a book fair with giveaways and, and events and make it fun for people. So what I like about what you're saying, Heather, is one one thing, and I don't know, uh, Juliet, we'll get to this pretty quickly, but um, Christopher Talon is a, a roving co-host for me on this podcast, and I love what he's done with with his novel uh, in that he calls it basically the bookstoreless book promotion. He doesn't have his book in any bookstores. He intentionally sells it at like uh, pot shops and different places like that, and and in 
instead of going to bookstores because he's kind of angry even about like local bookstores and the way that there's a little bit of elitism unfortunately you still have to be published by a press in order to have credentials um and there's very few bookstores that are stepping outside of that kind of ethos uh which is a bummer because if you're a local bookstore and you have a local author, you should at least consider their work. I understand that there are a lot of challenges to doing that because quality control in the world of self-publishing is kind of like walking through a minefield um, in that there's a lot of junk out there. And I think we all agree. We're all actually in the process right now of evaluating people who want to be part of our book fair tour. Uh, and some of them aren't passing the snuff test, right, Juliet? I mean, some of them aren't quite where yeah. we want them to be. Yeah, I mean, I've I've read some really great stuff, mm-hmm. but I've also read some stuff that just kind of, it kind of, I don't want to sound mean, but it, it makes me cringe. And yeah. it, it, it just shows why indie authors have such a bad rep. In what, in what so, way, like in like 25 words or less, in what way, um, did it make you cringe? Just like the writing, the style, the, they'll just everything. laugh. Okay. Everything. So it's, you can tell that it's not edited. You can tell that it's not formatted by anybody other than the author themselves. And yes, we're the closest to our work. So we know it best and we want to keep our voice and we want to keep our style, but we're so close to our work that we cannot see the mistakes and the holes and the, the oopses, you know, like it takes somebody else's eyes to see those things. Myself, I can see, I, I edit for people. So I see other people's mistakes really easily, but I don't see my own. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's so important, so important to get the work edited. And it's so obvious when it's not. Um, And it just, it gives everybody in the indie industry a bad reputation because we're all lumped in together. Well, and, you know, to that point, I think that there are two things that, well, maybe three that I can think of off the top of my head, why people would eschew an editor, right? Especially as someone new. First of all, it would be they they love to claim that it's the expense. Now, and I know, I know, <laughs> I just spent a lot of money to put book four into my editor's hands. But um, so there's cost. And then there is fear. People fear, to ju- to Juliet's point, people fear that their voice will be lost or that their, you know, something will be changed that, that, that's going to make it not their own book. And until you have gone and worked with an editor, you will never know that that's just not the case. If you've yeah. got a good editor, that's not the case. So there's, so there's cost, there's fear. And frankly, I mean, let's be honest. Can we just be honest? It's ego. Well, I don't need to do this. Well, hmm. and then we can throw all the excuses, all of our excuses to not properly edit can go into one of those three bu- buckets. Well, I don't care. I only write for me. Well, I don't care. I'm not looking, you know, I don't think that my book's going to sell big. I don't care. So it's like that apathy can be put into one of those categories just as anything else can go ahead so the secret fourth there's a secret fourth category is that they're just not serious or they don't understand the mm. seriousness of do you understand what i'm saying like yeah oh, i wrote yeah. a book i have it it's done boom here you go it's like 
but do you know the process? Have you actually done the research? Do you, or you have a dream or do you have a, you know, uh, uh-huh. you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, and you're right. And, th- and that, and that, what I, I think that either people don't know or don't care depending on who it is. Right. Is that that impacts everybody again to Juliet's point about it gives us all a bad rap because we, you know, especially as we see traditional publishing, um, you know, I, I don't know that the quality of traditional publishing is that much better anymore than indie, because if, if mm-hmm. for those of us who are serious and, you know, go try to do everything the right way, right? I mean, I've seen plenty of, of traditionally published books mm-hmm. that are poorly edited and that I, I, the mistakes I've seen in there, I, I know that I'm pretty vocal about this one book that I just really disliked that was traditionally published. Only book in my life that number one, I would not finish after I got into like one one chapter and then Mm. I threw it away. I didn't even want to give it to anybody else because I didn't want to promote in any way this author. I was so upset and I just finished book three and I'd worked so hard. And then I read this thinking it was going to be a guilty pleasure, you know, and, and it was so awful that I cried because I thought this person was on St. Martin's Press and I can't get, I can't, I can't pay people to read my book. And I know that it's good. Oh, I'm and paying, I, people. I mean, that I'm paying people to read my book, paying a lot of money. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I want to, I want to linger here for just a moment because I think it's important for people listening who might be interested in hashtag writers and joining the book fair tour to understand the kind of standards that we have. And I also want to bring light to something that Heather said that Juliet is kind of uh, lingering on when we think about writing that we don't apply to any other industry. So I want to bring to your attention restaurants. It's the easiest parallel I can think of out there. If you live in New York City, and I think somebody here might, there are new restaurants popping up all the time. Indie restaurants. And I'm calling them indie restaurants for a reason. If the food is shit, People just don't go there and it closes because it can't make ends meet. So there's this quality control thing that happens in the world of food that does actually happen in the world of writing. It's just that we have a hard time acknowledging that some of the books that are written are shit restaurants that don't take the time to source their ingredients, to figure out good recipes, to make sure that the food they're putting out there is high quality. Here's the other place that restaurants do a really good job of being a parallel to the writing world is there's McDonald's. Why do you go to McDonald's? Because I know every single time I go to a McDonald's, I can get a sausage egg McMuffin with cheese and it's going to taste exactly the same no matter where I go. Now, they're franchises, so sometimes they cook it a little bit longer, use a little bit more butter. But generally speaking, same experience. Starbucks, same experience. Those are the big guys. Those are the big ones. Those are the FSGs and the the Knops and all of that. And you know when you go there that you're going to get a certain product, but you're not going to get innovation. You're not going to order a particular product and be like, wow, that's so different. That's so amazing. Indie publishing is that place where you can get the highs and the lows very extremely. So um, whoever's inspired to speak on that, I just want to hear you reflect a little bit on your thoughts on indie publishing and maybe how we can reframe the way we think about it. Because honestly, you can't change 
the idiots, and I'm sorry, but you can't change the idiots who go out there and they, they're not willing to pay because restaurants do that. Restaurants take like crappy ingredients and hope to make a masterpiece out of it. And restaurants, uh, think that they know more than they do or they don't care or they just were inspired all of a sudden, whatever it might be. Talk to me a little bit about that analogy and how it works. Well, I love that because I live in New York City, um, I love that analogy of restaurant um, to indie authors. But I have to say any successful restaurant that comes into New York City that's a small mom and pop shop or something that's not a big brand has one of two things going for them. Either one, location, 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 or two, it has something that people want, right? So when there is a new authentic way in which you can get Italian food and it comes directly from Italy or it comes directly from the shore, you know, you have something fresh. People want to go to explore it. And so I think it's the same thing with indie authors is that you can write a book. Anyone can write a book. You know, you can publish. Anyone can publish. But unless you're able to either have a connection to place it somewhere or in the hands of somebody who's willing to look at it, read it, or give it the time of day, or if you're able to have something that people want, something that you know will connect with your readers and and, and other authors, you have to have one of those two things uh, to start paving your way in the world. Otherwise, like you said, Two or three people are going to come to the restaurant. They're going to say, that was nice. And they're never going to want to schlep back out because it's not something that grabs people. So I have a different take on on it, not restaurant. But y'all know I I write in, well, at least this saga in, in the entertainment industry. So let me let me make an, another analogy. And that would be to any television, movie, or song ever recorded. You are not going to go see a band. You're not going to pay money to go see a band that's put out a crap product. You're just not going to. If you hear a lot, if it's not, if it's not mixed well, if the sound levels are off, if there's just something that doesn't seem professional about the the production of that track, you're not going to download it on Spotify or or get it or whatever. You're going to say, well, that you're going to recognize it for what it is so fast. And that isn't even the quality of the, the, the melody or the, you know, the, the worthiness of the song itself. It's just that it's poor. It's so badly produced. If you were to watch a television and in, or let's say an indie movie, right? You're going to watch an indie movie and you're going to see that microphone that's like sticking out from the top, or you're going to see, you know, a little glimpse of the back. You're going to just see, you're going to know if something's not professionally produced. And and to Jody's point, it really is different in the literary community because it's almost like we've gone hog wild. We've been so hamstrung by the, by the traditional publishing venue where we get, you know, rejected by agents or rejected and rejected and rejected. And all of a sudden we're like the dogs off the leash, right? So we're all like, we can publish whatever we want. Yes. And we're like just taking off, but something's being sacrificed. And and we have to be serious as business people and serious with our art. Yes, it's art, but it's a product. And anybody who is going to put in the time of day to write a book, and that can take anywhere from, you know, weeks to months to years to do. Why put so much of yourself into that? It's like, oh, it's just for me. And then the rest of us also suffer along with you. This is a business. This is something that, you know, most of us in this community, we want to take seriously because we want to be authors. We don't want to just have this hobby, you know, mm-hmm. and to um, 
to put ourselves out there. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the world's best writer. I know I'm not, you know, but I take my work seriously and I want to put out the best work that I possibly can out there. And that includes spending money because I'm not going to, you know, just put out a rough first draft. I want people to take me seriously as an author. I don't want to be just some other, you know, nobody. I actually yeah. do want to make a name for myself. And I think we all do. And to to see people who claim to be serious about this as, as much as we are, and then and then see their their responses and their their actual writing and know that they're not taking it seriously. It's just kind of defeating, yeah. you know, because there's so many of us who do want to be taken seriously as indies mm-hmm. or even as as you know, first time publishers traditionally. There's a lot of traditional people out there in the Twitter community um who who are hell bent on going the traditional route, Ben. <laughs> Um, and that's fine but it's not the same industry that it used to be as we all know and i think they're merging um very quickly Mm -hmm. and it's just really important for us as up-and-comers to to set i guess the standard i love that well i love what you said about spending money because you know to relate it to like clothing you can go to Walmart. I'm not bashing Walmart, but you can go to Walmart and get a T-shirt and you'll wear it for five times. You'll put it through the wash and it will fade and it'll have a hole in it. Or you can go to somewhere with a bigger brand and you know the quality's nicer and it lasts longer. And I really think that um, the idea that you pay for what you know you get for what you pay for is really important. I think that um, especially with your writing, if you're going to put something out there and publish it, and it's going to be there forever. You want to make sure it has quality and substance and go through your edits and make sure that your cover is on point and make sure that you have some type of way to promote it and make sure that it, you know, it's solid because you only have one shot. You know, once you start redoing things, there's those holes in that shirt. You know, you can always clean up the shirt and, and re-dye it, but it's still going to have that hole in it. So, you know, <laughs> make sure that if you're going to do it, you know, through any publishing, don't have a hole in that shirt, you know. Pay, I found pay for what you have. <laughs> there, there are some... for the role you want. <clears throat> oh, okay. Oh, I like that. Yes. I, I, I like yeah. that, and I also hate that, though. <laughs> okay, no. Uh, that's this... the business in me, Jody. That's uh, No, that's, trust me. That's I, what I, my boss has always, always I, said. From I totally do not my disagree My advertising days. Never dress, I mean, yeah. never dress for the role you have. Trust me, I, I don't disagree with you. I think where where you and I are having a lot of fun and and nobody else uh, here or anywhere understands that we're having a fun battle uh, on Substack <laughs> about movies and Hollywood. Did you respond um, again? Yeah, well no, not not since the last one. I'm still I'm still waiting for you to prepare. Although side conversation. So we'll 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 shuttle it to the side, but essentially I believe that Hollywood is alive and well when I really think about it. I think you think it's probably dead since the writer strike in 2008. Um I want to shift the conversation back, though, because Ben made a conver- uh, a comment about paying for cover design, paying for editing. All of us agree there's no other door to a great product but to pay people to do things. Here's a strange thing, and I haven't admitted this anywhere else, so you guys are getting a hot take right now. My wife does all of my art, so um, you might or might not be able to see this right here, but this is a Tell line drawing. I love it. That's why I love it. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that you can recognize it tells you everything you need to know. She is a amazing artist and uh, she's, she's trained. 
So I just happened to be married to somebody who is an accountant. So she does our taxes and all our finance and she's an artist. She can draw. And so I trusted her to do the artwork for all of my covers. But when I go out to the world, I make sure to tell them I paid for it. They don't understand that I paid for it by cleaning the bathrooms yeah. <laughs> and taking care of the kids and everything because people, people are going to get a certain opinion if they're like, oh, it's a homemade cover. Well, I'm like, no, it's not homemade. However, this is really, really important. There are two sides to every coin. If you got somebody in your family, you got a friend who's willing to do something on the cheap for you and they're good, go it. for it. But yeah. it's it's it's, it, it's such a difficult thing. And, and also for anybody listening right now, uh, two of us in this conversation are self-published and two of us are traditionally published. So Ben is going to be traditionally published here real shortly. Heather is being traditionally published uh, right now. She's going through this whole big process. Juliet and I are self-published. Um, and so I think that we have a really good balance of representation between these different roads. And I think I think that's important for a listener experience right now to understand. We're not all just being like, "Hey, self-publishing, yay!" Uh, I didn't even publish my novel for five years because it was agented, and I was waiting for that m- magical call. When I finally got the magical call, they said, "We'll publish you in 25." Like, literally, my kid's going to be out of elementary school by the time that happens. I'm not willing to wait anymore, so I just said no and parted ways with my agent, and on we went. And it's been a good experience. Uh, but back to Heather's comment too, and this is where I want to linger for just a moment, is getting readers also costs money. I wish that I could tell you it was different. I think I thought it was different. There may be a handful of people who are fortunate in their timing and they caught the wave of TikTok or LinkedIn. But generally speaking, you're going to have to run an ad somewhere to find readers, even if you're traditionally published, you think that your traditional publisher is only giving you 15% because they're selfish. But the truth is, is that if they gave you more than 15%, there's zero chance they could make money. It is so expensive to find your reader. So I want to hear each of you. I don't care what order you go in. Talk to me a little bit about the cost of finding readers. It's a totally different thing. And then we will move into the real conversation about our book fair tour? Well, my only foray so far um, into this, I haven't put out any actual ads. Um, Well, that's not true. I did put out, I think, one or two Instagram, I think, like promotions um, early on. But I did, um, one of my beta readers for the Lady Phoenix um, recently put out or uh, started a, a virtual book tour company. It's just a small startup, but I thought, okay, give her a shot, which I think the concept is great. Um, I put my ebook on for free for um, 48 hour period so that her, her readers could pick it up. So I didn't make the money there. Um, <clears throat> and then they would read the book and give an honest review. I didn't want any, you know, fake reviews that I wanted to them to give proper and honest reviews. If they hated it, I wanted them to say they hated it. The problem I found with it um, is I think there was a cultural uh, or language barrier because all of her readers were from India. Um, so you can tell in the reviews mm-hmm. that lang- that English just wasn't their first language or even uh-huh. in, in some of the, the titles, they put like the woman Phoenix or it, it was just... Wow. 
it was a bit disappointing, actually quite a, a lot disappointing yeah. um, because I did, you know, it wasn't a lot of money that I paid for this, but in, in hindsight, any money that you spend is an investment. And when you don't get the result that you're looking for, it's, it's disappointing, mm. you know? So, so that was my pause real quick, because yeah. that's so, so important as a, as a consumer, I, when I read your book and by the way, I owe you a review. I've been done with it for a couple <laughs> of days now. Um, but as a consumer of your book, I actually just saw your stats on Amazon and I was like, damn, she's getting after it. Like you're doing good compared I'm to, trying. to compared to many, many self-published authors out there. You have mm-hmm. a lot of reviews. You have a good rating. So you're you're doing really well there. Um, and that's kind of funny because I, I guess I wanted to highlight the fact that even though your reviews probably were crappy <laughs> in quality, um, what actually is seen by the consumer, the book buyer, the reader is that you have credibility. So um, to that, to that, um, the reviews on Amazon are actually not the reviews from the the virtual. They're actual. Well, you are getting after it then. Yeah, there. So these are people who bought my book, um, Mm -hmm. didn't get it for free. They bought my book and wanted to leave a review. All the reviews from the tour or virtual book tour are on Goodreads. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Which for anybody listening, if you don't know this, Goodreads is owned by Amazon. They uh, are in bed together, big time, sleeping together, loving each other. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So as far as as finding the reader, that is, as everybody on this uh, podcast knows, um, it's, it's the bane of my existence. It is so... It is so hard because I mean, and it and it's terrible because it puts you in a position where you have to either declare, look, you know, maybe my book's not the best in the world, or you have some immense ego like me that's like, look, it's a good product. I don't know why it's not selling. I mean, that's kind of that's one of the reasons that my publisher and I decided that a relaunch was good because it really came down to a few basic things. And I think that it's important for people to know this, you know, titles are important. And if you go to Amazon or anywhere where you go and you can look at a title and find 200 of the same title, then that's where I was with the ties that bind and nobody could find it. Mm. I mean, not if nobody would stumble across it, right? Because it was like one of many. So, you know, there was that. And then there was like the covers were beautiful, but they were more art. They weren't really covers. They were, Mm. they're very pretty, but they're, but they're not covers. So we just had a completely different approach, but, but as far as, so hopefully that will help. And then also um, like Juliet, I have a virtual tour for each of the next four books that because it's it's a whirlwind this year um, with four books coming out, three of which are relaunches. And then one of them is a is a new release. But my book, my book tours start April 8th and in one shape or form continue till September 4th. Depend so for and that but that's for all book all four books. So I'm hoping that I could come anywhere. I'm hoping that the I mean everybody hopes for a good review, but I mean the the place that I'm going through actually was recommended to me by my publisher. And yeah. so um we will see how that works. Um I I don't want to plug there's another one that I know of and 
I could talk to any of you offline if you wanted to, because but I don't know it. Um, I haven't used it personally, so I don't want to like give it any type of a plug or anything. But I don't. I think that it would actually, uh, Juliet, be a little bit of a different experience. And to be honest with you, it's not that expensive, so it might be worth a good try. But um, another thing that I think that our kind of poo-pooed these days is, and I'm going to say it, guys, book trailers. I am in love with book trailers, and I see so many of them that are shoddily put together. And But I think that no matter, I mean, I understand that this is a written medium that we're in and that people are, you know, but are they going to read the book? So why would we need a motion picture type book trailer to sell that? But the reality is you can't tell me about TikTok and then tell me that visuals aren't important. So to that extent, I, I'm a big believer in book trailers. You all know that I make them. And I, I, what I found is that I really am not good at making um, just like your, your basic teasers. Cause I was talking about like, I'm really bad at choosing fonts and doing whatever, mm. but I can do video. And I think that that is, if it's done well, that it can really help. I mean, I've sent, both Ben and Juliet, um, Jody, I haven't sent anything to you because you've been a little offline lately. So, but I mean, I've, uh, but I have sent you guys like um, examples of things that I think of, like Ben, I saw a bunch of stuff that was like red and whatever. Like, and it I really it, made it me gorgeous. But it's so, funny because I love what you're saying because we are a visual society, right? Exactly. And to the point with not, not just that, when you read a book, you're playing a picture in your mind. But also what helps with that playing picture in your mind is the cover. I cannot tell you how many times yes. the cover has influenced how I visualize something, right? Which is why it's yeah. so important. But to that point, what gets me to the cover a lot of times is a trailer. Many times I've seen a trailer. And mm. if I just see the book, I go, oh, that's pretty. Oh, that's nice. If I see a trailer and I feel that emotion, because when you have the sound, when you have the visuals, when you have that sense of emotion, that's what we get from a book. We get that emotion. But when you put it out there and I go, I want more of that feeling. It brings you and so that visual drags you to the book itself. And even though it is a written medium, it is still very visual in our minds when we're into mm -hmm. it. And so I think playing on visuals is so important. So, so, so important, which is why when you're on a book fair tour, that's why you have gives away giveaways. That's why you have pictures. That's why you have items because we connect to visuals and we connect kinesthetically to things yes. um, that are in stories. And it's so important to the human spirit and the human emotion. Totally. I'm thinking about AWP, it's uh, one of the biggest book conferences in the country. It just happened last week uh, in Seattle. Um, the first time I went to AWP, I've been twice, and I vowed never to go back unless I'm speaking on a panel by invitation, because there's a strange thing that happens when you go to a book tour, as uh, you feel the smallness of your small fishness. Yeah. It's weird. It's hard. It's challenging. It's a perfect segue into what we're attempting to do. So not this coming summer, but the following summer, we're all going to join hands and kumbaya and tour around the country. Uh, the United States, Juliet, maybe possibly a little bit of Canada, but I don't even have a passport yet. So we'll have to discuss that at another time. Mine's expired. <laughs> See, look, no respect for Canada here. <laughs> 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 uh, we're going to be touring around. I talking. love you guys too. It's okay. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that the narrative right now is that uh, book tours in general is that readings are not profitable. And if we took a good hard red pen to the financial lines, you'd see that there's the cost of travel. There's the cost of booking venues in many cases. There's the cost of uh, all of the inventory you bring with with you. In fact, Heather was right on point in in saying, like, start buying up some of your table supplies right now, because that's going to be a pretty big bill if you try to buy it all at once. There's a lot that goes into this. It's not a joke. And so, um, we haven't said this up to this point, but there are people who are applying for the hashtag writers uh, book fair tour. And if we accept them, then we're letting them know the cost is on you. You're going to be paying to be part of this tour. But if we accept you, you know, you get the banner of our name and the, the promotion that goes with it and vice versa. You promote us, we promote you. We're all one big kind of entity together but there's a cost. So I, I'm interested to hear from, from each of you a little bit about the, the cost of doing the book fair tour and why you believe that it's going to ultimately be profitable because as much as I want readers, and I think I might be an outlier in this way, as much as I want readers, I don't care if someone buys my book and never reads it. I don't care if they buy it and put it on their shelf and it's just uh decoration. I want readers, of course, because one reader who says this is the best thing I've ever read is 10 sales. But generally speaking, if someone just buys the book, I live to see another day. If they don't buy the book, I go broke and I'm going to be selling insurance again in a couple of years. So with all of that in mind, let's really be financial about this right now. Let's talk about the financial cost of being on this book fair tour and what it looks like and why you think that you can be profitable if you do it correctly. In one of my old lives, I used to do, I would do trainings or I would do fairs. So, or I would do, you know, speaker events. So I'm, I'm a little bit, this is sort of my wheelhouse. I've, um, I've done like health fairs. I've done all of, cause I used to be in, um, in managed care, but, um, so I've done a lot of fairs, right? I've already started, like Jody was saying, I've already started buying my stuff to display my books and to put candy out and to do all the things, right? And we can either publicly or privately have a, a another conversation about that. But I just, one of the things I want to say about this is for people that are, are considering going into this, we are not looking to profit off of you. So I think that that's an important thing to say because you get a lot of folks that may be hesitant or negative and say, well, you guys are just trying to create some scam and you want to like bilk money from us or whatever. It's like, look, no, that's not the case. Mm. This is the way it's going to work. We will not be able to give anybody any information that we don't have. And until we have a good, solid count 
of authors to participate, not people mm. that are going to pull out at the last minute. I was just thinking about this this morning. Yeah. It's like, man, if we if we had 500 people that were, you know, 500 authors that are like, oh, I'm all in, and then 100 of them pull out at the last minute, mm. that's going to be our cost. So I don't, I haven't talked mm. about it with any, any of you yet, but I would say whatever monies are, I mean, I think this is another conversation, but I think that there needs to be an expectation that the people that are in are in. So you, so while we are very, very excited and breathlessly waiting for all the authors to come flooding through our, through, through Juliet, basically, and, and into this tour, we need you to be serious because Mm. we're serious and where we don't want to profit off of our fellow authors personally in terms of like up charging for booths or venues or whatever. We can be as transparent as possible, but we're not going to know if we need to book a stadium versus a conference room at a hotel, right? We will never know that until we have headcounts. So a lot of the questions that people are asking at this point, we can't answer. And that's Mm. why. And I think that that more than anything is important to, to note. Um, there is the cost of a booth. I think that what I imagine, and again, we haven't talked about it, you guys, but I imagine that what we would do is get the total cost or the total cost of the venue and basically just divide it by the number of people. Go ahead, Jody. No, no, I wanted you to finish your thought, but I also wanted to let you, you know, or, or the listener know that everything Heather is saying is, is based on scale right now. So it's a cost of a booth only if we can't actually create the event ourselves. If we can create the event ourselves, then it's the cost of the venue. So this is a really important thing to think about here in Omaha, or I mean, I'm not actually in Omaha close by, but if I want to get the biggest conference room at the Hilton Hotel in downtown Omaha, that's a big, huge room with a lot of access, but it's only going to cost me a grand maybe to to rent it for a day. And and I I don't have perfect numbers right now, but it's not going to be a lot. So if we have a hundred writers, do the math at a thousand dollars for a day, that's not even a cost anymore. That's just a bunch of people coming to a place to do an event and just make bank. So it really depends on the quality of the the authors and the number of them. If we can get enough people. And I, I just, I felt really like this is so important for listeners to hear. The more people that participate, the cheaper it gets for all of us. That's what happens with traditional publishers. That's why they can do what they can do. So we're trying to mimic that by joining together like the Borg Star Trek listeners. Yes. I know there's not that, but yes. But also to to your point, Jody, when the more people that you have, the bigger the event it is, the more people are likely to come, not just authors, but readers. And so then the more that, you know, the more you make, and the best part is like with your analogy with that conference room, all you have to do, if it's that those numbers that you were giving, you got to sell one book to break even. Exactly. You know I mean? so Thank it, I mean, you for saying that too. Yes, that's that's the next step in that. That yeah, one right. book is that you appear. One book. It takes one book, and so literally, if you show exactly. up and you go, "Oh, I had to spend this amount," and you sell one yes. book, you're like, "Boom!" So I did it. But not that's only right. you get the fact that you sold a book, and you go, "Okay, so I, I wasted a day." You didn't waste a day because you're also yes. um, getting out there. You're saying, Hob-nobbing "I'm a part of this Yeah. You are literally promoting yourself, and that's what we're doing. We're not just promoting a book. 
we're yes. promoting ourselves, right? We're yes. promoting writers. We're promoting who we are and what you stand for. And so selling that one book and getting out there and saying, I did this and posting it somewhere or doing that gives you mm. promotion in itself, right? It's free promotion because you're part well, of something greater. Beautifully said. So there is also another expense. These are things that people don't think about. And, and you know, these you've got certainly the cost of travel and hotels and whatever. Now, some of us, some of us, are going to be going to all or most of them. So we'll be traveling. We'll be actually touring. Mm -hmm. Other people may go, well, I don't have a month to give up or I don't have two months or weeks or whatever. I only want to go to New York or I only want to go wherever. And that, that brings up two things. Number one, um, we need input as to where people would like us to go. Mm -hmm. If you guys, if any of, if anybody listening goes, oh, wait, I live in such and such. And I know for a fact, there's a huge reader community out here, um, you know, that that people, ought, you know, routinely come. That's great. That's good feedback. But it's also important to understand that in as much as you're going to want a professional product in the book itself, you are also going to want to do as professional a booth as you possibly can, because that's mm-hmm. going to, that's going to attract readers. Yes. And I could, I mean, there's a lot to be said about the way you set up your booth. And for anybody who actually gets into the um, conf or the, the tour itself, maybe we can develop some kind of, you know, suggestion or whatever video that we can just send out to people and say, these are things that you might want to consider as far as getting your booth. Cause I mean, we're not, the police here we're not like legislating certain you you must do all this but there are some good ideas out there that we can use to to ben's point to attract people in and ben you are so so right even if you only sell one book even if you only sell five book five books even if you don't break even when you when you think about all the expense of the travel and the gas and the hotel and the and the and the candy on the tables and the and the banners or whatever, right? Even if you don't ultimately break even, you still might. Because like Ben says, you're connecting with other readers. And that is huge because the next time they, they happen upon your name through your great advertising, they're going to say, you know, I met that person. I met that person in Orlando at, at this book fair. That's, awesome. that's another thing. But also, you guys, just remember that this, we have the opportunity here hmm. to be a great niche because the writers of Twitter, yes. that, that gives us something. I mean, can we get local advertising to, to say, Hey, you know, we've got this group of authors that met on Twitter and they're, tour in the United States or something, right? So we've got we've got a niche. And I think that we've got a lot of opportunity. Heather, you said something like, oh, if somebody knows that there's a great reading community here, what's really brilliant about this whole thing is that every person that comes in is a part of it. And every person has a niche or something special or connection somewhere. So everyone that comes in and joins says, oh, but I know so-and-so or I have a connection here. The more, you don't have to have a lot. You just have to bring one thing and say, I know that this is a great place to go, or here's my suggestion. And between 
10 of us or now a hundred of us, or even I'm hoping more, right? We all have so many connections. We will make magic happen. It's in the numbers. You just have to come and say, here's my one thing. And when you put all, you know, everyone has a penny to throw a penny together and soon you have a hundred dollars, right? Everyone has to have something and it, it, it could grow exponentially. It's incredible. So glad you and I were on the same wavelength, Ben. Really, really well put. Because what I wanted to say right now is that all of us right at this exact moment. And I don't know, Juliet actually has the 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 secret, the top secret list of everybody who's joined yet. Um, but uh, I want to shout out a couple people on this podcast live right now, because I think that there are a few people who need to be part of this. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing this to make you part of it, but we all know a few people who have a city, who have an audience, who have the knowledge to be part of this. So Christopher Talon, uh, if you're not already part of it and you're listening to this podcast, please get on board. Rich Hosek, if you are not a part of this already, please get on board. We need you. Jen LeMaster, thank you so much for everything you do. You are one of the most badass people in the world. Cincinnati, get on this tour. Uh, and and please, uh, Juliet, Heather, Ben, shout out a couple people that you know who need to be on this tour that you just think like this tour can't work without these people. Well, for me, I mean, writer-wise, yeah. <laughs> writer-wise, um, well, somebody that you guys probably all know of, um, she's going to kill me for saying her name on here. Do it. Um, she doesn't have anything published yet, but she's really working on it. And she's a really good writer. You've probably see, seen her prose poetry, um, Symphony Hale. Um, she She's something else, honestly. Awesome. <laughs> um, somebody else that I, I think would really be great on this tour is Brandon Case. Um Beautiful. You probably all know of him as well. Um, there's quite a few people um, that I've spoken with. I'm going to go back for a minute to to the cost um, okay. conversation because I just wanted to to chime in from a Canadian perspective. Um, there have been not a lot, but a couple of people um, who have shown interest and who are in Canada. And for myself, I know that I can't exactly cross the border with boxes and boxes of books in my car okay. without, you know, raising some red flags. And if I were to fly, you know, books are heavy. I'm not going to be carrying mm. tons of inventory. But um Heather and I have been talking behind the scenes. And a, a good option is to um order the books and have mm. them shipped directly to the venues. Yes. You're going to be right. going to. So if we're going somewhere and well, we were talking about New Orleans, for instance, I'm going to just order a couple of boxes of each of my books and have them shipped directly to that venue so that I don't have to, you know, worry about the cost of transporting these things and possibly being held up at the border for, you know. Um, (laughs) And another thing for Canadians to keep in mind as well, I haven't looked at this just yet, but it's probably really important, um, is the legalities of selling your product in another country. Mm, so okay. um, that it's probably fine. <laughs> I mean, mm. I would really hope it's fine, um, but that's something to probably look into. You can cut this if you want. No, it's really important that what you're saying you- this. I, I, to the best of my knowledge, a book is, is fine to sell in any country. Um, and I think I will just add to this logistically, because I've been doing a ton of self-fulfillment books uh, is if you are with Amazon right now, you can order author copies and send them anywhere you want. 
and they right. are the same basic cost. Right. So like my book costs $5.07 no matter where I send it uh, because they will just print it in a warehouse in that country. So I could literally drop down in China today and it would still cost me five American dollars and seven American cents to drop it wherever I want to ship it. So if you're listening and, and I agree with Juliet 100% ship your books where they're going to be if you're if you're going to tour with us um, and Canadian authors, most likely you're going to tour with us because we're not, I don't think going to touch a ton of Canada offline. Actually, I do think it's important to make sure that like Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, those are cities that probably are very well worth uh, our attention. And I'd get a passport to do it once we get closer to time. I joked early on that I don't have a passport right now, but I lived in Spokane, Washington for two years. My wife and I kept talking about going to Vancouver and it just never happened. We had little kids and blah, blah, blah. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> yes, it is pretty. Pretty there. So, um, thank you, Juliet. That's a really, really good one. I, I want to make sure Heather and Ben both shout out your people on Twitter right now. I know it feels pressure, like, like pressuring and salesy, but I actually think that's important because there are some people who should be doing this that maybe are not fully committed yet. Well, I can tell you, I'm not going to shout at anybody just because oh. I don't put anyone on the spot. However, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. <laughs> Hold your breath for a second. I trust me, I have DM'd people, I have gotten several people, I have pushed people. So you all know who you are. And several <laughs> of them have also gone in. And there are a few people, like Julia said, who are not published yet, who but can be. And I think that's also the point is that if you're wavering between should I do it, should I not, and you're on the process of publishing something, um, you know, I mean, don't don't push it and go, let me do it without editing, of course. You know, I mean, make sure you go the yeah. right path. Good but time. if you're within that time frame. This would be great to have a book come out and then go off and do this. I mean, that's an incredible start, right? Because then you don't have to do it on your own. It's not just a book tour. It's a book fair tour, right? You are literally in something that is larger than yourself. And so you exponentially then become more important because you are part of something greater. So I think it's a great start to a book, which is mine's coming out in August. So I'm going to, I'm going to putz around and I'm going to beg people and throw my book at people around the sewer and read it, read it, you know, and, and I'm going to try my hardest. And I think that I'm, I'm going to see maybe a little uptick, um, you know, when it first comes out and then I'm going to watch the numbers. But I really think that this tour is going to help, uh, promote, um, this mm. new career that I have. You know what I mean? So, yeah. also, Heather. Well, and it's going to not only promote that, it's going to promote you, Ben. Right. And, um, some of us will owe you a review once. The book comes out because we've we've um, already had the pleasure of reading it. And I love you for it. <laughs> so as far as people I would like to come out, you know, Jody, I didn't think about this before the podcast. So many, I think, of the people that I know of are in Europe. Um, oh, wow. I would okay. love. I mean, if anybody in Europe wants to come over and spend the summer or a couple months or even a couple yeah. of weeks. In America, Corey Tate. Um, I know oh, you're I not quite Corey. there yet, but yes. I love oh, Corey. I wish she would her. come out. Yes. Um, gosh, I just, I don't know. I, I can only say that my publisher, uh, the owner of my publishing house, her name is Janet Fix. And Janet also writes. And she has this really nice series that's out and that she did with author Cheryl Bradford. And I would love to see Cheryl Bradford. I would love to see Angie Galleon. I would love to see Janet come out. Um, I, they, I think they all live in the South. So it might be like if we did something in Atlanta or something. Right. Um, another author that she's probably going to kill me for saying it, but, and I, and I know I've mentioned her before and nobody, um, 
everybody's probably tired of hearing me say it, but Ryan Rayston, she and I go back an awful long time and she has two of what are my favorite, favorite all-time books. Um, one has to do with her time in witness protection um, and how that came about. And that's actually based on a true story. But the second mm. one is um, really just, oh my gosh, it's just her books are so good. And I would really, really, really love to see mm. Ryan come out. I don't know if, if she will or, but I mean, if we're in like in the Los Angeles area, or I think even in the Tahoe area, that I would just love to see Ryan come out. But uh, there's so many people, so, yeah. so many people, and we all interact with them every day. I'm glad, Jody, that you mentioned Rich Hosick because I have love just, him. I have fallen in love with him and Christopher Talent. Yeah, yeah. um, Craig Crawford, I think, is, is, yeah, is, Craig, sorry, I didn't actually shout yeah. you out. Yeah. So, yeah, but there's a ton of you guys, and, and, and we, you know, it's a hard thing on Twitter because we are, yeah. I mean, Jody seems to have a niche. Juliet and Ben, all three of you guys seem to have a niche. I really don't have much of a niche. I, I kind of, I'm, I get emotional or I get business minded or, or whatever. But I mean, it's hard because we want to interact with everybody and we, we do make like friends and, and everything that we interact with, but we do also put out you know, our, our teasers and our trailers and, and whatever. And, you know, people don't seem to want to interact that much with those things, right? It's right. not, but, but I mean, it's part of what we're doing here. And we may not, you know, for every 10 posts that we put out that it's more personal, we are going to put out, you know, a teaser or a trailer or whatever. And right. um, we're still us. Yeah. We're still the same people that you interact with on Twitter all the time. We're just also business people. And I think uh, that's important to remember. Absolutely critical. So I do I do want to say one thing um, that none of you are doing what I am doing. Uh, and in some circles, that makes me a little less popular than you, probably rightfully so. But I DM all of my followers. Uh, Heather and I became friends because I DM'd her. She was interacting with me on the huge. I think, yeah, exactly. Julia pointed to herself if you're not watching. Um, I, I sent a DM and I said, I have a podcast called The Reluctant Book Marketer. I would love for you to give it a try. Um, if this message is unwelcome, no worries. You'll never hear from me again. It's oh. It's a fairly low stakes, but kind of scary thing to do. And then you realize... That um, I literally, if I showed you my message right now, I, I get responses from people that I messaged back in September or August that are like, oh, I never check my messages. I'd love to listen to your podcast. I grew this podcast from basically my aunt and my wife listening to it to the top 2% of all podcasts by doing that. So it's really super duper uncomfortable to step outside of the societal norms of communicating with people to say, I have this product I need for you to consume if you're interested. And if you're following me, there's something about me that you already like checked off in your box. You said you liked me. So Twitter is cool, but it's a double, it's kind of like a double opt-in for it, all of you people who, who make lists uh, with your email. You know, they like they they check that they want to sign up and then they have to go to their email and say, yes, I really signed up for that. It's kind of like a double opt in. First, they follow you. Then you message them. If you never hear from them, no big deal. I would love for you to do that if you're listening right now and you just want to grow your 
base of like committed followers because I couldn't be doing what I'm doing right now without Juliet and Heather. Uh, so, so valuable, your support, your love, your kindness. I've gone through some really hard times recently and it's strange to say this, but I couldn't have made it without my friends on Twitter. And that's the power of what we're doing. I don't, I actually don't have a lot of close friends right now. So it's a strange life. I live in a, a town of 900. My very best friends, my best man, my groomsmen from my wedding, they've all sort of drifted and done their own thing. But these people on Twitter that share a passion with me have supported me in a time that I desperately needed it. If you listen to this podcast, you understand a little bit more of the backstory. If this is the first time listening, just trust me, Twitter is beautiful. Um, so with that in mind, yeah, Heather, I hear you. Let's talk a little bit about, and then let's look toward the wrap up. Um, this tour is focusing on Twitter. That's what we're doing here. We're focusing on Twitter. Uh, but we're not saying no to traditionally published authors. We're not saying no to anybody, but let's talk about the power of, of a crowd that already exists of why we're hashtag writers and, and all of that. And, uh, you don't have to respond directly to that question. I just want to hear from each of you in closing what you wished you had said and haven't had a chance to yet. Ben. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Why you got to put me on the spot? <laughs> um, I don't know. Something I haven't said. I said a lot. <laughs> um, I think it would just be um, that we're all passionate about something. We're either passionate about writing, we're passionate about reading, we're passionate about publishing, we're passionate about um, indie authors or traditional. We're all passionate about something. And I really think that um, if you take your passion and you go one step farther than you've gone, magic can happen. And I I really, 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 really wanted an agent. And I really, 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 really wanted this. And I wanted, a, you know, I wanted a million things. And instead of having a dream, I decided to go on an adventure. Right. And so mm. I took a step out of my dream and I put one foot into a different world and I'm off on an adventure now. And now I'm overwhelmed. Right. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm literally um, they uh, my publishing house just uh, talked to me about my book cover. And I'm like, I don't know what I want, but I want everyone to love it. You know, but I, but it's exciting and it and it forces you to do something. And I'm feeling the magic flowing through me. So I think that if you're sitting there, you're at home or you already have a book out or it's about to come out and you're like, gosh, I wish if you have a dream take that dream, bottle it up, and then put it into the adventure camp and just take a step forward. I really think that, you know, if you're with people together on an adventure, you're never alone. You're always safe. And I think you've got the time of your life. And I'm really, really hoping that people find something magical within this. There's, it's magic. This is, you know, this is going to be magical. Whenever you speak, Ben, I just think, I wish I was as as good at speaking as you are. You're really, I hope really I'm as good it. at writing as I'm good at speaking, right? We'll yeah. see in August. <laughs> First of all, I want to say that I, and Jody doesn't know that I'm doing this, but I want to give a plug to TRBM. I, it is because of Jody that, well, it's because of Jody so many things, but one of the things, one of the simple and more selfish things is Jody has given me Mondays. Jody has given me an admin day that I, cause I, I get so focused and, and if I, whatever I'm doing at the beginning of the day is what I'm going to be doing for the whole day. So if I don't come in and sit down and start writing, or if I don't come in and sit down and immediately start doing my marketing videos or whatever, if I don't immediately do that, then I'm lost for the day. And what Jody, Jody's podcast has done aside from being stellar and it's always, it has always got such 
value to it. And, but he's, but it, so I've actually made my Mondays revolve around like when I get up and I get my coffee and I do my emails, I know that there's going to be TRBM in my, in my um, email. And so, and I'm sorry, I shameless plug, whatever. I mean, I, I have listened with interest. I've, I've been uh, graciously Jody, let me be a guest on it, but, um, but I've met other people. Jason Chang is another one who needs to come out. Um, but just so many people and, and the podcast itself is so awesome that I literally have created an admin day around that so I can sit mm-hmm. and give all my attention to it. I, I try to always review you guys review, review, you re- review. There's no reason for anybody in our writers community not to be reviewing the books that we read, especially from each other yeah. right away. And so yes. I, I tend. I tend to listen to TRBM and I literally start writing my review so I can have it so I don't miss any points because my mind's a little weird. But I also want to shout out to to Juliet and Ben in in their own little niches. I don't mean little, but you guys know what I mean. But um, for Juliet, she casts this probably the best um author newsletter that I've ever seen. There's always a lot of content there. There's news. She, she includes other writers. She, she really is. I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't know how many things I'm signed up for, but I know that I always read Juliet's and um, it's, it's really stellar. And I do try to forward that and TBM TRBM, sorry, on Twitter so that I can say, you know, Hey, this, and I try to shout everybody out, but also Ben, um, you have this thing on Twitter that has that just works and it works uniquely for you. You do a lot of, you know, oh, if this was your book cover or you pose a lot of questions, you just get so much interaction. And it's a little different than what Julia does with, you know, like writing prompts or whatever. But the three of you have a very, very nice complimentary styles upon the the three of you, um, which makes it great for hashtag writers, right? Because you've got all these niches out there. And then, you know, my, I think my claim to fame basically is just over talking, but um, (laughs) something unique on Twitter, but I just want to say that this is exciting and we are banding together with the writing community needs to stop being just a hashtag of writing communities and actually be the community. And we are it. To what Juliet said, we are making policy now because we've tried this, we've tried that. And I know it's boastful to say, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to see what we can do to start making policy because in order, if we're going to have, if we're going to step up and make the books better and we're going to step up and make the covers better and we're going to step up and try to do all these things better, then we need to be a better community and we need to, we need to be together on this. And I think that we can because you look at indie music, you look at indie film, you, it all started somewhere. And even though indie publishing has been around for a while, but it's really changed in the last 20 years and it's going to continue to change. So why not get involved? Why not be better? And why not get involved with us? That's what I say. Mic drop. That's what I say. Juliet. And drop. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know how to follow up with that. My gosh. (laughs) Um, I'm just speechless, Heather. 
I hear you. Thanks for the shout out, honestly. <laughs> um, honestly, I've been on Twitter since, well, I mean, consistently since May. So it's going on a year. I had the account for a while, but never really used it. Uh, and the the difference that I've seen in myself as a writer um, and in how I interact with people is night and day. People will say, oh, it's just social media. It's drama. It's this and that. It is all those things, but is also it's a family. You know, the, the writing community, yeah, some people will, you can take or leave them. Um, that's like with any family, you know, real life family. But it's just allowed me to grow. I've met so many amazing people on there that I now consider really lifelong friends. Some people that know me better than I might even know myself, which is kind of scary. But I, I can't even imagine not, you know, not being here anymore and not being on. I, I know it sounds silly because it, it it is still social media. It doesn't sound silly. But not at all. I can't imagine being here because of all the the people and the connection Support that I find here that I don't find in my real life, you know, people who are like-minded. Yeah. I have friends. I have friends in real life that I've known since high school or before, you know, and I love them to death, but we're not on the same page when it comes to dreams and goals and to find people who are in that same mindset and who have the same dreams and who have the same goals and who are passionate about the same things you are, who just get you mm. and you get them. You just can't find that anywhere else. And mm. before social media existed, I don't know how people did it because <laughs> I was so shy and reserved. I would never go out and talk to people, you know, and now I talk to everybody and you guys are some of the most important people in my life. And that sounds really weird to say because you're I've never met any of you in person but I can't imagine doing life without you you know mm. I agree and I just want to shout out to one more person I think that Heather Mello in New York she needs to uh she's got one book out and I know that she's going to be doing another um maybe this will help nudge her a little bit but she's in New York she'd be great and I think Ben knows and I think I think Juliet and Ben both know Heather as well. So uh, yeah, I think that she's another that just, we need to. You just get you out. just want to have all the Heathers. <laughs> that's, that's, what that's, what that's what it is. Yeah, Juliet, you said something really crazy and it like blew my mind for a second. I don't know if you realize that you said this, but the book fair tour that we're creating um, is literally Twitter in real life. Right. Yeah. Thank it's, it's you. I was actually literally community. thinking. That, oh God. Yes. you and I are on the same page today. <laughs> weird, so it's yes. Literally, <laughs> it's literally yes. um, the magic and the wonder and the excitement and the support that, like, this is what you were saying, Julie. The, the support that you find on Twitter, it's not through DMs, it's not through tweets. It's now going to be in real life. Yes. And I mean, can you imagine how much more exponentially incredible that would be? I mean, it's just, it's yes, actually. I I used to be part of the the AOL community back you know back in the nineties right yeah, yeah. and Chat. we would run the, uh, we <laughs> hey now we uh we actually we met in Vegas we've met in L A we met in L, uh, New Orleans we met in New York there were groups of us there was probably on AOL we we, we were in the authors lounge and there was like this core of like 300 of us, but we would coordinate and we would go and we would meet each other and we would spend like two and three days 
days. And that's just us meeting with each other. And I'm telling you, it was the most productive writing time of my life because like what Juliet was saying, we were just saturated in each other's business 24 seven. And we were, we were all really, really working. Yes. It makes me want to shout out a few people who are not actually themselves on Twitter. Uh, that's the one part that I think we've not necessarily shied away from, but there, there are plenty of us who aren't using our real names. I am personally using my real name. I'm Jody J. Sperling. <laughs> Heather's Heather. Yes. <laughs> but Mystical Maven uh, or, or Fanny Adams Ghost. What yes. a lovely, lovely person you are. I would love to have you yes. on this tour. Uh, we'll drop mushrooms together. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a, that was, that's an offline conversation, Jody, that I've been yeah. wanting to have with you. <laughs> oh, so, um, awesome. Okay. I, I'm not going to do the normal promo of your books and your work because uh, I will drop it all in the show notes on my Substack, And I want to finish out by saying that, um, in ways you don't understand right now, if you are looking to uh, deepen your conversation and you're listening to this, get in touch with Juliet through Twitter, through email, any of those ways. I will drop all of her information. She's kind of the point person for getting in touch uh, on being a part of this book tour. If you just really want to be part of it, let us know what level we're looking for a little bit of a writing sample to to make sure that you're serious about this because we want serious writers to be part of this tour. Um, and then I think that the next thing to say is stories can be told by anybody. Put your ego aside and understand that the first story you tell is not the best way to tell the story you want to tell, even of your own life story. You're you're telling your own life story in a non-optimal way. I know that sounds really statistician-y of me, but your life story is really, really powerful. And having that editor, paying that person to help you tell it the best way makes all the difference. Mark Twain said the the difference between the right word and the wrong word is the difference between a lightning bug and a strike of lightning. So thank you so much, all of you, for joining me on this podcast. If you agree with me that it's the best episode of TRBM ever, share it as widely as you can so that we can have people hear this and uh, we can we can build from here on up. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?